0: My name is Renee, your host of the Looks to People cool podcast, owner of Haunted House Fear Fest Film and Video Game Festival, and Looks to People cool Studios. And I want to introduce my co-host Louise, who is producer of the podcast and festival judge for Haunted House Fear Fest. So, in today's episode, we're delving into the extraordinary journey of two visionary filmmakers and cinematographer who seamlessly blend the influence of their multicultural upbringing into the tapestry of their craft the Decca brothers, and Jeff George. First off, Ben and Julian, childhood friends from France, whose imaginative world was shaped by the eclectic mix of Japanese anime, U.S. movies, and European literature. Their debut feature film, Sodium Babies, a testament to their passion, earned them the special mention of the jury at Leeds International Film Festival, propelling them to the attention of L.A. producers and ultimately leading them to embark on a filmmaking adventure in the u.s notably they clinched the 2012 mtv music video award for best visual effects for their work on Skrillex's first of the year equinox directed by tony t the transitioning seamlessly into the world of commercial filmmaking but what caught our attention was their short horror film my blood which Louise, our insightful producer, shared with me. With over 114,000 views on YouTube, this spine chilling tale unfolds on a cold winter's night in Northwest Detroit, where William and his teenage son, Jake, encounter a desperate single mother seeking their help to save her daughter from demonic possession.
1: And we are thrilled to have the cinematographer for the film, Jeff George, a talented cinematographer based in Detroit. Having worked in the camera department of feature films alongside luminaries such as Larry Fong, James Laxton, and many others, Jeff has seamlessly transitioned into a creative force of his own. From music videos to feature films, commercials, and documentaries, he has brought his unique style to collaborations with clients like Vice, Timberland, Under Armour, and Chevy. Jeff's lens has also captured... The essence of musical talents such as M&M, while also leaving an imprint on Atlantic Records' roster with artists like Danny Brown and the Insane Plant Posse. A storyteller at heart, Jeff's narrative credits include numerous shorts and two features The Pickle Recipe and Ovid and the Art My name of is Ovid. How
2: did I, a nice boy from small town Rome, end up in, in trouble with the brutal Emperor? As after years of civil war, the newly like anointed Emperor Augustus had finally brought peace to the... So everyone, join
0: us as we unravel the captivating narrative that Decca brothers and Jeff George exploring their diverse portfolio and the intriguing stories behind their creation. Guys, welcome to the Looks Pretty Cool podcast. How are you?
3: Pretty Thank good. You. Thank you, you. for having us. us. Thank you for having us.
2: Thanks for having wow. us. What a nice intro. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh, flattered. no awesome.
0: well, you guys... This- <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you didn't realize, like, once someone reads it back to you, it's like, you guys accomplished so much. And that was only a snippet of what we just mentioned. So it is a true honor to have you guys. I, first off, want to start you. off with, um, you're welcome. I first want to start off with My Blood. I So being a horror film owner of a film festival, I've seen ton of horror films. And when Louise, um, now she's a festival judge for the festival. So, like, when she sent me your film, I was like, holy shit what is this i said like it's such has an like it was just so great it wasn't only just gritty but it was very poignant with terms of the terror and the cinematography was just so polished particularly and we'll get into it, the scene with the boy uh going into the room and trying to release the demon from the little girl they're transitioning back to the living room with the father and the mother it was just so beautifully done like that was one of my favorite scenes and so I'm just, I was like, Louise, like, we have to have them on. Like, they're super great. Like, we have to, you know, introduce me to them and everything. So I just want to kick off, like, can you share a little bit of your background and how you guys got into it?
4: Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it started like childhood. uh childhood. I think I was like around six years old, starting to wonder, like, what I'm going to do as a grown-up. And then realizing that, you know, that, that was actually a job to do movies, you know, and... uh I, I was I was a bit naive, so I would see the actors on the screen. So I thought I wanted to be an actor, but then around the age of ten or twelve, I realized that really I wanted to be a, a storyteller, and uh, and I've just been following it, uh, this passion since then. And um, I went uh, I went to a cinema study college in Poitiers in France, and uh, I was living there with roommates We were all in the cinema program, and and my brother was more like in the science, and and he. A bit younger, and uh, so he, a couple of years later, he joined and lived in the same house with us. And he was surrounded by artists. And yourself, you always had like uh, an artistic fiber. He's, he's yeah. really good at drawing, playing music. And eventually, you dropped out from biology <laughs> and and joined the,
3: joined the joined the party, you know. And <laughs> tried, but, uh, yeah, it was not for me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I like more the idea of science than doing science. But uh right. no, was yeah,
0: was it the dis- dissecting of the frog or
3: the pig? Was it that- was the, uh, the amount of knowledge you need to uh, just know from uh, your heart uh, that it, it was too too much and being uh, surrounded by artists and and also and cool. no schedule, you know, <laughs> a lot of party, a lot of dreaming. <laughs> <Right>. So For <laughs> so, him so so to focus
4: on that type of study, that was, and uh, I, and that was naturally like your, and also, in the end, you know, yeah, your, in the end, he's an artist. So.
3: And, and I see you all Father like uh, did some comic book at some point uh, in his career. So uh, as children, we were always like you know uh, you know connected to art. Uh, even though I, I love science, but uh, yeah, ultimately uh, it made more sense for me like, to uh, to go that route. That's
0: awesome. And um, and Jeff, how did you uh, get into you know your profession, cinematography, filmmaking? Yeah, and all that? yeah.
2: Well, uh, I grew up in Detroit and. Um, you know, my father was a photographer, and and he kind of passed on a, a good eye for photography to me. He he did a lot of street photography work and and nature photography and in, in, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and uh, and uh, it kind of passed on that that uh, same inspiration to me. And I started. I went to the University of Michigan uh, to study film, and after graduating in two thousand eight, um, I was uh, I put myself out there as a camera assistant um had a lot of films coming to the state of Michigan as part of a, a an old film incentive program that's um we're trying to get back now but um uh that's now since gone uh but one of those projects was uh that i um got connected with and and was uh assistant camera for was with the decca brothers um at the time they were dping and uh and And they were filming a movie in my close to my hometown uh, in Pontiac, Michigan, uh, which was the most random place in the world for these amazing French creative filmmakers uh, to come to the United States and make a film. So I was just starting my career as a camera assistant and. And kind of hustled my way <laughs> into wow. working with them. Um, and, uh, and I got to be their assistant and it was an amazing, uh, experience. And we, we became friends and, and collaborators. And, you know, uh, and I, and I took a trip out to, to France to visit them in their hometown. And, and, uh, and eventually they were trying to focus more on directing. They, you know, they, they had worked as DPs for this film and, and, but really their, their, their talent and their creativity, while they are very talented with cinematography, they're, they, they are quintessential, um, directors, you know? So, uh, uh, so when, it, when they wanted to start directing some music videos and things like that, um, you know, I said, well, hey, I, I wanna, I wanna start being a, cinematographer you know (laughs) as one does and in the meantime i was working on lots of uh, feature film projects as a as a first ace big chance not only in film in general but uh but uh as their cinematographer for a a music video for insane clown posse that was a a crazy huge budget for a a, a budding cinematographer (laughs) and for us at the time um and uh and it kind of launched our our journey together as as collaborators and uh and I couldn't be more thankful to be honest because they're brilliant filmmakers wow. as you've seen so
3: yeah i think you just said the same same feeling for us yeah you know, like uh we feel that you you introduced us like, as as foreigners with not such uh good english at the time uh still working on it <laughs> That was great that uh, we had this connection, with this film before, and then yeah, we all like kind of a uh, uh, step ahead. And I think like uh, you helped us so much to, uh, oh, for sure. to introduce us to the crew and, and, and push so much more in the viewer. Like uh, that, you know, maybe the, the budget uh, were at the time. So
2: uh, cool. That's we've been blessed. a pleasure. It's yeah. been a pleasure. We we grow together. You'll see that a lot with filmmaking. Um, where you 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 go down your journey and you grow together as opposed to trying to go yeah. up to the you know to try and work with Quentin Tarantino or whatever hey go for it you know but but okay. as filmmakers you grow you know and and you take this journey together and as they level up you go with them you get something big they come and you build upon each other and yeah. and the Decca brothers really have been you know, they've been primary collaborators for me and I I don't have a relationship with many other filmmakers like I do with them. They're not only creative partners, but friends and family. They're like family. So yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So how you guys have such an incredible bond and You know when Oscar time rolls around, whenever it is, I hope you still remember Louise and I on the (laughs) podcast. You know, like don't forget
3: (laughs) don't forget about
0: (laughs) us. But um, in terms of like how you guys worked with um the film and everything, like how can you describe like your collaboration um? during the filming process, um, and and the amounts of terror that, the elements of terror that came along with it for the film, Um, it's great to know, like, how your dynamic is, it's like the script first, and then you guys bounce off ideas with Jeff a bit on how it's going to visually look, like, what's your guys' process?
4: Uh, I mean, the the, the process first, uh, I I think it's always evolving. Yeah. Yeah. So there is this one thing. The tools evolve in the filmmaking world a lot, and and and. But also as a, as a human being, you know, through life you evolve in your in, in your mindset. Uh, and uh, my blood, we we did that. Uh, there is quite some time, and I, you know, we will not work the the, the same way I feel uh, today. But um, uh, but usually, yeah, we like to present Jeff with a, a strong concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think at the time of my blood, we were maybe more directive on like the mood of the light and stuff. And, and as we worked more and more together, I, this is, I realized that this is something with, I come up with less and less ideas in terms of light. <laughs> Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's going to be Jeff's uh, thing, you know, and I know we have a short end and I know Jeff, uh, not sure. And I don't know if this is because you came up as our first AC or white, but there is something about your style that, that really fits our style. So at some point, I don't have to Ben and I. We don't have to explain. Okay, Jeff, that's kind of like the style we're going for. And 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 Jeff, you're going to go fish some stuff in your DP world because you 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 have like your eyes on the map, and we are focusing on something else. So you pay attention to what, what what's going on in the DP world, and then you bring us like, hey, there is a new tool, there is a new technique. Look, this visual, and and usually you know it's it really fits your style because you understand us so much, and yeah. And and I and I feel like uh, it's good to have a trio because it's it, as as directors it's great to be uh, a duo. That's for sure. Like because you you can like uh, bulletproof your ideas so much faster than when you're trapped in your own head. So we can bounce ideas at each other. But sometimes we need a tiebreaker, <laughs> and um, <laughs> that just comes comes here, you know. <clears throat> and, and, yeah. and to have a some person in the room like oh, because sometimes you're on the fence, you don't know, you know. Uh, so,
2: yeah, I think, I think it's, it's exactly what you said. And and first and foremost, of course, we share uh, the same passion for a similar aesthetic of yeah. filmmaking for a, sim- a similar types of films that we're inspired by. So right. right off the bat, of course, we're, you know, and and honestly, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to find someone who really shares a lot of, there's a lot of overlap between your interests. So, right off the bat we we discovered that we had a lot of shared interests and then the personalities start getting together and you start hanging out and having some beers and coming over you know in the summer to summer parties and stuff and you start to bond in that way um but i also like that they they as directors they bring this strong vision and they're really visionary filmmakers they give me a lot of ammunition to to create out of and um, and and because I know their style and I have a good sense of what they're trying to go for, or maybe not a hundred percent, but they at least are able to uh, explain very easily to me or show me something that I, I can understand immediately what they are trying to go for and i I personally like that as a DP Some directors are more into um, you know mood and and acting and and some are more visual. The, the Decca Brothers have a good combination of 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 all of those traits um but they they do know visual very well uh, because they have an eye for lighting and cinematography and and they're one of the few directors that I collaborate with that I'll stick the camera in their hands because wow. they're brilliant camera operators you're very instinctual camera operators for handheld and for certain mo- you know moments of our filmmaking process where we're we're handing the camera back and forth to each other because it because i trust them they they yeah. trust me it's it's a great collaboration so um and and they're and they're good at cinematography but they're they um of course when you're directing you have so many things going on in your in, in your purview that um you know to me it's a pleasure to be able to say hey you know i i understand what you want and and we're gonna execute like this here's the lighting and then they can focus on the, the script, the story, the actors, the production design, the costume design, all the things that have to go together right. to, to that when they're in front of camera, that's really what filmmaking is, you know, because they they're not just about cinematography or story. They, they want to make sure every element is cohesive together. So their involvement with production design and costumes is very heavy. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's great. So how many hours of sleep do you guys get then? Like two? <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, 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 sleep is important. (laughs) Not enough, (laughs) for sure.
0: Oh man, (laughs) so so Jeff, uh, what technical aspects do you find most effective in creating um, a sense of dread or fear, like within a within like the horror film My Blood?
2: Oh, um, interesting. I feel like I feel like so much of that it comes out of the the story and it and your everything visual in my blood is at service to the story so they wouldn't be you know maybe one frame on their own has a certain mood to it but they don't culminate in that sense of dread without the story and the acting and the performance backing all of that up and um and that that's what that's why you know the Deca brothers are so brilliant at what they do I I feel like we you know we share inspiration in terms of uh, films that, that inspired my blood in a way, you know, the, um, uh, we can look back at everything from horror films from the nineties and early two thousands that we kind of grew up on and all all the way to, um, you know, David Fincher and really contemporary work that, that, uh, you know, the, the visuals help, um, enhance that sense of dread, but it has to be there in the story to begin with, you know, um, but uh, I was saying, uh, I think we both have a fondness for kind of like classical camera movements and, but sprinkled with the kind of their own style and, and something contemporary too. But we're, we're often doing slow Dolly, you know, moves mm-hmm. and, um and, and, you know, kind of foreboding, a foreboding mood in a lot of our camera work. So it's, it's hard to translate into words, I guess, but because um, it's oh, so project
3: specific. Yeah. For us, as uh, French kids uh, looking at uh, TV back in the days, we were like fascinated by uh, the look of American movies. You know this uh, anamorphic, like you know uh, wide lens sort of uh, look, and I think you know that's something really uh, we embraced. Uh, and and that and that Jeff, you you kind of you know made possible for us to uh, to use uh, when we move in the states. Uh, before in France, it was more like nibble, like productions. It was more like uh, amateur, almost like you know, we learning like the the craft, which was great. But uh, when we get a chance to work with Jeff and and, uh, and a real DP, you know, uh, that's where like we uh, were able to embrace this, uh, uh, this you know classical cinematography like approach, and that uh, yeah carry a lot of um, I guess tools to uh, to build up tension, and and I see my blood really like you know. Uh, you know use that more than the, the horrific vision of something it's it's about the, the build-up of the tension throughout the the piece you know uh right. i would say in time right. of role.
0: no that's that's great because that brings me to my next question like that scene which is like my favorite scene that i talked about at the top of the top of our interview is just like um from when the son is trying to is um in the room with the girl who's like obviously possessed and then you like flip back and forth to the scene with the father and then the mother where he tells her you know just really to shut up I'll you know I won't say too much but can you just describe to us in terms of shooting that scene and just like what was going through your head like how did you prep the actors like it was such a great scene I just really want to know what was it like filming it
4: yeah so we've done we've done some music videos back in in France and and then we did like this Instant Clown Pussy's videos with with Jeff. Mm-hmm. And so we had some trick in the bag in terms of, of visuals and and shooting a, a narrative piece is, is, is different in terms of rhythm and stuff, but we were able to reuse some of these uh, filming techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what works great there, this is the constant Dolly pushing toward the father as he's having a, a trance and the trance element uh, working with actors this is something we used, uh, as a, as a gimmick visual in music videos in the past, having a character that just goes into a trance, uh, because visually it's, it's striking to see the face of someone grimacing and, and, and being mm-hmm. possessed basically. Uh, and so that's a motive that we've used in music videos in the past and, and the flickering of the light that bring like uh, a eerie element of supernatural. Uh, so. I, I will call them like yeah uh, tricks in the bag that you, you you put them together uh, to the service of a story, and now suddenly you have a, a scene with a lot of tension and that's visually uh, uh, exciting, you know, to keep the audience uh, somehow glued to the screen. Yeah, and
3: I, I would say like without spoiling too much, but uh, the the approach uh, between the two sp- space, the room and the, the living room it's uh, is quite different like the, the the father is in control, so it's dolly shots and while in the room it's more chaotic, and we worked uh with n l cameras a lot so to create this clash of you know um uh movement and energy you know uh, that gives sort of a cue to what is happening in reality so again, I'm trying to not spoil <laughs> the story <laughs> but uh, for sure, it was super fun uh, to write and concept, conceptualize because this is where you start to play with your concepts. How far can I push this idea so the audience starts to, you know, understand, but not no, not completely, you know, like get the, the full picture. So right. that was, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. And uh, our talent, uh we played the little girl, uh, I forget her name okay. right now, uh, but she was great. Uh, oh. She was awesome. Yeah, I. Yeah. I yeah
0: wow no this is. yeah not... i think it's it,
2: okay. it's a good example of a scene where having control of an environment allowed us to do a lot of um filmmaking techniques that added great production value because that was a built set and and everything from the texture of the wall to the fixtures that were above the table and underneath the kitchen and, you know, we, we spent a lot and the sconces on the walls and everything was then wired into flicker boxes at the back backstage, you know. Um, so we had full control over this. If you it would be really difficult to do a scene like that in a an existing house that you didn't have just, you know, that the owner didn't just say, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know, hey. but because we could control the texture of the wall the lighting of the space because there's no ceiling. So many, um, elements helped us in, in that regard too. And, and ironically enough, it was, a, it was, um, uh, the, the kind of bones of it was old, uh, stage, uh, play or, uh, maybe another film shoot actually. Oh, wow. Um, but we, 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 we were, it was true indie filmmaking. We, yeah. we took the skeleton of something and made it our own. And, um, and and our production designer Joey obviously did a great job dre- dressing up the room and making it feel very thin and very old and 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 of course when you have that you can you can really do some amazing stuff and uh, that was a you know uh for that Oh,
0: great basically from setting up the production uh design to filming how long did it take you guys to complete everything from suit to nuts was it like two months or was it uh
4: a month? i remember it was uh it was eleven days of shoot, but they, they were like we we wrote a script that was a bit longer like uh we ended up like cutting some scenes uh but i think there was like 11 days of shooting uh and maybe it's like nine days with all with the older unit and like two days, like maybe just the three of us or producer and one talent and, you know, that's wow. it. Just like some pickups. Uh, the prep, I, I think like it, it, it took like a solid two months, two months and a half leading up to the shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Checking I mean, the locations, dialing down the
3: costumes, rehearsing uh, with the talents. From the time we presented the script uh, to the crew and, right. yeah, we... We took our time so we had experience before like to the um the rush of you know you write something and you shoot like maybe too fast too, too soon so okay. this time i see we were like t- t- really trying to uh take our time make sure we had uh everything like you know uh, lined up. Line up and you know because it it was ambitious you know for the yeah. budget and uh, also sometimes you know you uh some of the crew might be uh, willing to uh, take the bet on you, but you know it's you need to accommodate right. everyone's schedule. So yeah, everyone's working on a, yeah. on a favor, you know. So right. So, but for us, that was cool because yeah, we had the time as directors to to to, to prep it a bit longer and, and shoot at the at the perfect moment. So yeah, oh, yeah. I, I we said two two months s- s- sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and bad. then
4: yeah. I would say like six months in post, maybe. Oh.
3: Yeah. Again, you know. Take, it's your, it's your show, so you have no like you know deadline
4: uh, right you know. <laughs> and you know and you're working on other projects so you it's like you know it's like in, in between two commercials in between two gigs you uh you find the time but it's also uh i think pleasing to take the time and not be rushed as as filmmakers when you uh, when you do a music video or a commercial you know it's always like go 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 and you know from from start to finish and it's super exciting to come up with solutions on the fly but you know, when you do a short film that nobody's like waiting for, like, right. It, it was just good to take the time to take it in. And yeah.
0: Wow. That's great. So I'm going to hand it over. To, okay. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Louise.
1: <laughs> uh, Jeff, you and the of brothers have worked on a lot of films with, named talent, many that have featured great music local to your city like Ovid and the Art of Love and have also worked for the director of Coffee and Cigarettes as well as Gimme Danger, both that feature rock star Iggy Pop, the gory shock rock icon, Jim Jarmusch on Only Lovers Left Alive. An awesome vampire movie in the camera department. After working on such enthralling and bleak movies that pay homage to music popular in Detroit what was it like to transition over to horror
2: oh that's a great question um you know I'm from Detroit and uh and I'm really passionate about this city uh, you know when when especially when we were uh when the Decca brothers and I first met each other I was exploring the city and its culture and and we and uh uh living in downtown Detroit at the time, and uh, I've always had a love for the culture and the people here um you know, I was taking photographs of of the urban landscapes and getting involved with the art communities and doing music videos for artists here, so I've always been adjacent to that uh kind of detroit uh scene and and of course our culture and our history of Motown and all the rock bands that came out of detroit are um It's a really cool history so um, so yeah, you know, I've been fortunate to have been on a lot of projects that have featured, you know, well-known Detroit musicians and other people from Detroit. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's, uh, it's, it's a different world from, from the horror stuff that we've done with the Decca brothers. Um, but, uh, but I think all of those projects like inform the work that we do together because, you know, as a cinematographer, it takes time to, and being on lots of sets to, uh, to be able to observe how other cinematographers and filmmakers do things to, to learn what, what works, what doesn't, how to run a department. So many of those things that, that, that I was able to observe and learn on these bigger projects. I was able to bring to, you know, uh, my blood, which was, you know, what, and we had, you know, resources to work with, but of course you're, you're doing it. It's a short film. It's, um, you know, you're working with some limited budget mm-hmm. in some ways, they so have to figure out ways to do things on a smaller scale than you would on a huge, you know, union movie like uh, Batman vs Superman or something. <laughs> so, uh, but being on those big projects allowed me to really learn a lot and take it to, you know, to, to our arsenal of, of tactics and, uh, and techniques and, and things that we use on, on every project together, really
1: so ben and julian what was it like working on the insane clown posse music video and are you fans of stephen king's it as well as the terrifier franchise clowns are common monsters in popular horror films and they're my favorite <laughs> <laughs>
3: clowns <are> cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah i mean the the band insane clown Pussy, they were really nice with us uh, they let us being super creative uh, every time we uh, work with them. Uh, so that's that's kind of super nice as a director to have an artist that trusts you with the vision. And we had like you no know, couple of discussion on on some details, but uh, for most of it, every time they've been like supportive of the vision, and every time they were happy with the the results. So uh, um, that's great experience for us. And uh, like Jeff was saying at the beginning of the discussion, like this is. One of our first like um, um, client that we work with that you know uh, gave us like uh, enough money like to to be ambitious like uh, I, I would say so for that really, uh I I, 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 I want to say thank you I it. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you're watching, right, thank yeah, you guys. First, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, I
1: yep, yep. John I really Ritter, I think. The,
3: it was a bit like. Uh, uncanny and you know there was something you know super like fascinating about this but really like uh, uh, yeah Stephen King is a uh, is the master you know, I would say yeah, yeah. definitely it, for me it's like
4: I, I was I was never calling myself like a, a fan of, of him and and only, to be honest I haven't read the books but you've seen so many films and and it's just like later in life where I'm connecting the dots I'm like, like okay yeah. that was Stephen King oh that was Stephen King, that was Stephen King. Mm-hmm. and I'm like oh my god the body of work that the guy put you know that <laughs> That turn into iconic pieces that we all know, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I must be a fan.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Created so much of yeah, the yeah, the the, the style of uh, of the, uh, an entire genre, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. in books, in films, and uh, and yeah, like you say, sometimes you watch something and you're like that was great, and you discover, okay, that's yeah. ad- adapted from uh, okay, yeah, of, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So the uh, the. The outsider on the hbo the yeah. limited series that was so good
1: what kind of music do you listen to when you get into your creative group M-
4: me I, i'm going to i, I will listen to uh, a track that can support the emotion of the scene i'm working on so uh i don't listen always to music it's, it's actually rare I, if i do it it's only to cancel like some some noise around that are like disturbing and then if i do if i'm uh, yeah, writing a scene with tension. I will like a foreboding type of music, or if it's action, it can be like a bit more orchestral. And maybe I will like do some, some zapping in my, uh, on my Apple music to make sure I have the, the, the right track. Because if, if the mood doesn't correspond emotionally to what I'm writing, that really throws me off. Uh, uh, but then, uh, what I think you do, you listen to music
3: to generate ideas uh, sometimes. I mean, it's not like I do it to generate ideas, but often I had I had. Have... Some of my best uh, ideas in terms of the concept, or uh, some ideas that I carried like uh, for one to be more than just concepts, uh, they were triggered by you. They were triggered by music, yeah okay. so I respond that I think you know that's just on the, an emotional level, like you know uh, uh, the music brings so much to, uh, to visuals in terms of how you should like you know feel about the emotion of, of, a, of a scene. If you swap the music for something completely different, you are going to feel completely different about it. So uh, I think I respond like, to it uh, well. And as far as the style, it's well, super eclectic. I think Juliana, in terms of what we listen to, uh, it's more like you know, the mood of the day or like mm-hmm. Juliana said, like, wh- what are you trying, what type of project are you trying to, to write or think about and trying to match whatever you're listening uh, at, at, at the time.
1: All right. How much does a good soundtrack to a movie matter to you?
3: A lot. Uh, almost a lot. like... Sorry, Jeff, but almost like 90%. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, but when you think about it...
2: No, it's true, yeah.
3: Seeing a lot of people, uh, when you're a director and you start to film your own stuff, you realize, wow, the cameras are getting so much better. And yes, there's some tricks to create a good image. Mm-hmm. Then you need uh, good actors, obviously, but the the sound and the, the music is to me it's still something a bit more niche that there is a uh, less people talented at, at this so as a director when you can collaborate with like great uh, music artists it brings so much uh, to your piece but uh, it's, it's not just the music it's actually the, the, entire,
4: soundtrack. the entire soundtrack yeah um, and, 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 and you know yeah, the, you're right. some some very evident examples like sometimes you you stumble on YouTube on like a, a CGI artist, like literally a kid in their bedroom, you know, on the computer, okay. and you go, wow, that's outstanding work. And it looks so amateur because the audio is completely amateur. The images are beautiful, but you know, and then you take a movie like The Idiot from Lance Trier, shot on a DV camera, it's shaky, it's like, it's really bad visual filmmaking, you know, but you're completely into the movie because the, the soundtrack is completely professionally mixed and that movie goes to Cannes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is the, the difference between amateur and professional. It's really
3: audio, and that doesn't
4: take anything yeah. to the work of the cinematographer. Obviously, you know, not at all. No, at I agree with you guys because we are aware of what we're, we're, we're watching. Oh, I'm watching a pretty yeah. image. Oh, I'm watching like a grungy looking image. You know, we are almost unaware of the audio. It goes through us. It right. it, it, it 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 like strike a chord yeah. inside of us, an emotional chord, and we are almost unaware of it. It's more an experience. Yeah so yeah, good yeah and that's good. how you suspend the disbelief of the audience you know
2: good cinematography is is it ha- has to be supported by you know it's only can go so far uh you know the, the music is a huge emotional component the the production design and the costumes is a huge part of what, what makes a shot look good you know so you mm-hmm. can have great camera knowledge and technique and and you know, even lighting can be good, but if the someone's dress is the wrong color for the right. scene that, and the set is not, you know, doesn't feel real and feel lived in, mm-hmm. forget it. The you know, the lighting can be amazing, but if the set doesn't look good, you know, <laughs>
1: right, it, it, right.
2: So everybody has to help each other on a film, and and sound is absolutely the barrier um, between, you know, something feeling like a real movie like we always ask ourselves that all the time <laughs> you know when we're on set i'm like does it look like a real movie i mean I don't, because you're you're always self-criticizing on, on mm-hmm. set and wondering how can you but then you realize oh they're going to go to editing they're going to do sound mixing and they're going to mix the dialogue and then it's going to have a score i mean of course you know that's going to lift the the, the the production quality you know just yeah. on its own so
4: we we have a friend uh in los angeles Kimberley, she she got the opportunity to be on set with uh, Martin Scorsese once, and oh, she often wow. tell that story that he was telling her just close your eyes. Does the tech sound good? And that's how he knows. <laughs> apparently, that's what he told her at least wow. that uh, at the time uh, that he knows if the, the tech is good or not by by actually closing his eyes and listening to it.
0: Oh wow! So we have a Scorsese tip. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: Thank you, Kimberly.
0: But
2: I think you'll see that a lot, like even in like Scorsese, it's funny you brought, brought it up because they're notoriously, they have a lot of continuity errors if you kind of like watch from shot to shot. But it really doesn't matter because the sound, the soundtrack, the editing, mm-hmm. the the style of the dialogue, it's all moving so great and it's blending. And he was very bold with his editor that they would they would literally cut from a guy holding a phone up to his ear like this and then go to a reverse shot and he doesn't have the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, but it doesn't matter. You would never notice unless somebody said, "Hey, did you see that?" Because the dialogue <laughs> is so great. It's the soundtrack is filling the, the, you know, and and um and the camera movement and stuff like that is is pulling you out of just a small error like that. You know, it's like it doesn't right. matter in the grand screen because the emotion is there.
1: Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Oh, uh, you have filmed a lot in Detroit, and I have such a unique style. How much does your appreciation of Detroit influence your style? And do you use the city as a form of creative inspiration, especially in horror?
4: So there is the Detroit that uh, we met when we arrived uh, 12 years ago now. And mm-hmm. there is the Detroit of today, which is, you know, uh, in my sense, like a big change. And maybe maybe someone who's been there for a long time, like, "No, Detroit has always been like that, you know. And maybe the Constance of Detroit No, has it's changed, changed, changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for sure, uh, co- coming from Europe, uh, having maybe some preconceived idea of w- what is America, and coming just after the 2008 in Detroit, in winter, uh, <laughs> we had a, it, there was a bit of a ghost town effect. I remember uh, Woodward Avenue, the, the, the main central avenue, being completely empty with not even a car parked on the, on the sidewalk, like for three blocks. No one. Winter, cold, you know, but still.
3: There's still no one. Uh,
4: that, that, that was really bizarre. And uh, and at some point, yeah, we were like doing this. And that was part of the gig. Yeah, can you do like a dark music video for instance Clown Pussy? So, you know, okay, I have like some, I need locations and I'm in Detroit. And we want some, you know, greedy looking stuff. So we're taking uh, advantage of the, uh, the urban ruins, you know. Uh, and, and But I think, like, uh, then we evolved toward more like commercial work. I think the city has changed a lot. Uh, and now we're filming Detroit with a completely different look. Uh, so I don't know, for us being in Detroit, that was, that, that's really like uh, an, an amazing experience. And to see that city completely like changing and, and, and rising to the challenge of modern times, uh, it's quite an experience to be like, yeah. To, to see it from, from there to now, you know?
3: Yeah. I think we, we came at the right timing, you know, as for, again, as foreigners, I don't want to put that you know, uh, too much emphasis on that, but, you know, you, you come in a city that, that is, like, really, you know, not feeling great. And at the same time, this is the rebirth, and I think that's, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
3: in our life, that has been, like, a, an energy that, you know, uh, we feel connected to, you know, uh, just by just being there and seeing, like, the, the changes and... Uh, I remember, like, something we connected a lot with Jeff on, on the first uh, movie we worked on when he was our first thesis. Jeff knows a lot about the story of uh, Detroit and, and more than Detroit, but uh, uh, he, he brought this Detroit collection to us, like, uh, even even before we really officially moved there. So uh, Yeah, your, your, your Detroit
4: tours are, you know... Uh, yeah, they are fantastic, <laughs> you know, the... the <laughs> Tell the story of every brick of every of every building, and, and and there is a lot of history, and uh so that was quite fantastic to to be able to discover Detroit through your eyes, actually, Jeff.
2: Yeah, thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, it's the 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 city has a lot of character, and it, and and you know it has a it has kind of a reputation around the world, you know um some people you know it has negative and positive connotations you know it's tied up with the history of racism in our country and mm-hmm. you know and so many things there's a lot of layers to Detroit's story it's a fascinating history some of it's quite tragic mm-hmm. and uh and now there's been you know quite a bit of rebuilding going on so it's been amazing to to see as someone who grew up here all the way from you know so many of the buildings and factories being abandoned around town and now most of those famous iconic abandoned buildings are are being restored or some of them are gone but the the, you know the train station and other things that that were abandoned for almost 30 years are now 300 million dollar beautiful renovations back to what they looked like when they were originally built and in many ways Detroit and, and Louise when we worked on Ovid together, mm-hmm. we, yeah. you know, we took advantage of the fact that a lot of Detroit was in ruins because the style of the movie exactly. called for that type of environment. Yes. And now, you know, you can still find that in the city of Detroit, but but it's uh it's a new story that's being told here because the the image of Detroit and its ruins and I certainly did a lot of work in the Detroit ruins. So mm-hmm. it's I'm not ashamed of that, but it it's um it's exciting. I guess, to be able to uh, witness this, uh, the the city kind of come back to life. And, and, you know, it was never really dead. That's the other thing people wondered. I mean, it was, there was culture and music and art and all the same things that a big, that big cities have, but it had gone through so much trauma that it was just very plainly visible, you know? And now some of that, some of those visuals are starting to change. Some are the same. We still have classic architecture. We still have you know, industrial factories and, and the things that give the city texture, but, uh, but there's a new excitement and a new positivity around what's happening. And, um, and, you know, it's been a really cool city to be, to live in and be a part of It's And it's definitely influenced my work very, very heavily, you know, just growing up around that, that type of aesthetic, you, you, you find, you have an eye for it and you find it. So, um, and, and we brought that, you know, to our work together and, and other projects that I've worked on. People often say you're, you, you have an industrial kind of, you know, this kind of industrial texture to your work. And I, hmm. I mean, it's not me, it's, it's the city that I've been able to film in for so long, right. you know, fortunately for so long. Yeah. It's tremendous. That's
0: great. So. We're at the end of our interview, and before we let you guys go, what we ask all of our guests, since this is the Looks Creepy Cool podcast, what is the most creepiest thing that has ever happened to you, and what is the most coolest thing that has ever happened to you? Whoever wants to go first. Hello.
4: (laughs) Okay, I have have a real creepy one. (laughs) Uh, I was was a college student uh, in Poitiers in France, and I was uh, living with, sharing an apartment with a roommate. And over a weekend, I was, I was not at the apartment and he hosted a party with some friends and they did a uh, spiritism, you know, like when you put your finger on a glass and you try oh, to connect the with the spirit.
0: Board. Okay.
4: And, and they got a hit. They, they, they connected with the spirit. <laughs> my roommate says like, yeah, that was my grandpa. He was telling me stuff. What? And my other friend, uh, David, or, or Amazing Sound Mixer, was there too. And he was like... Was not his grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was an evil spirit pretending to be the grandpa. Oh, I'm like, okay, oh. me, I'm fairly like uh, grounded. I kind of like don't really believe them. I'm like, yeah, do you want? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And a week passed. And, and now I'm at my place with two friends and I'm sitting at a table uh, in my back to the kitchen. And there's kind of like a, a corner that separates the kitchen from the living room. And uh, and then the entryway is over there. And at the table, someone is in front of me. Uh, oh my, no, my roommate is there, and he's tired, and he starts to rub his eyes. And we have a friend, and she's singing the tune that's on the radio, but she feels a bit like shy, so she, she puts her eyes like that. So basically, none of them can see behind me, and I can see behind myself. And all of a sudden, I feel something coming from the entryway, super fast, and sliding and going behind the corner just behind me. And I I feel it. My feeling is so intense that I can, uh, I can have a visual for it and it looks like a humanoid form about mm-hmm. like four foot high but made of like dark right. smoke. And, I, and I'm completely like petrified. And I'm, my two friends, my friend like stop rubbing his eyes slowly and he looks at me. My other friend was singing like slightly. She raised her hand, you know, and they both look at me. And I'm like, guys, is there, is there someone behind me? <laughs> And they go like, no, why? And I start to describe what I just described to you, this kind of shape, but I, I, don't, I still don't want to turn. I don't want to see it, you know?
0: Right.
4: And, and, and the, the girl, she starts to cry. And I'm like, what's going on? And they say, yeah, we saw it too, but they didn't see it. You see, they, we all felt it. And then eventually we looked and there was nothing. Yeah.
0: Wow. But that was creepy. <laughs> that is very creepy. That is very yeah, creepy. So what happened? Did you like, eat? breakfast or lunch after that like, no I I, mean, so I, I, I,
4: I I keep living in this apartment in this apartment oh for God. six more months and then regularly in the kitchen we can hear like some clinging of the glass right even though when we were like doing the dishes we put them like separate one another, there they were still like some clinging sound coming from there oh my God. Uh, but then i don't know if we were just like That's i don't know creepy. but that yeah. was a creepy moment so what
0: was the coolest thing that happened to you
4: um, uh, I, I had a weird epiphany uh, one day for two minutes, I was so happy, I was feeling that everything around me was alive, and I felt like the, literally the world vibrating, and that the vibration was love. Wow, <laughs>
3: <That's laughs> It
4: just for That's two amazing. minutes, but uh, it changed, I was not very spiritual before that, it, it kind of changed my
3: perspective of things. Wow. And it happens... Spontaneously, you know so baby, out of nowhere. Basically, you had a bad trip and you had a good trip. I had a bad trip and I had a good trip. What about you?
0: Anything
3: creepy? Uh me, anything creepy? Uh I, w- I won't I will beat Julian's story in time of you know seeing a smoky like uh but uh when I was 17 I, I had a car accident. I was not driving but uh the three of my the three people, like which I was part of, uh, at the back, we all went through the the windshield of the car. No, no the, one the, was the back windshield. Yeah. Oh. what was creepy is the uh, the next day, the aftermath, the, the feeling of uh, not being uh, uh, dead or being alive. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, you know. So I don't want to be too dramatic, but uh, the um, yeah, the the, reverse, the sort of uh, inverted, the feeling of being alive, being like, oh, that, oh, is it possible? Like you know. So it was uh, wow. good and bad at the same time. Uh, and the coolest thing, you know, uh, maybe some cliché, uh, I have two amazing daughters, and Aww, every time wow. that was the best feeling of the world, like you know, to Aww, see. How old uh, uh, Five and eight. Oh
0: wow, so, so young. So that
3: ends the lack of sleep a bit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, making. But uh, no, yeah, the, I mean, as a father, I feel I need to answer this question, like you know, where wow. like, my 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 two daughters are. Wow, that's uh,
0: wow those are like cool stories those are cool so creepy cool stories to yeah. say what about you Jeff
2: well I've had small things happen over the years I guess my 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 wife Amy is super into uh you know ghost stories and ghost hunting and wow, <laughs> and great. she's quite connected with the spiritual realm and stuff we we had um uh well i i would say this is kind of creepy but it's also kind of cool this story and it's a little sad too but my wife's uh uncle this just happened like oh. not that long ago my wife's uncle passed away and he oh, was sorry. uh a, he was real beloved by not just amy and the family but uh he was a uh, kind of a detroit area radio mm. dj that that was oh. going on in the area oh. so he had a really big presence in the in the area mm-hmm. here and uh and shortly after he passed away we were we were it was the the evening after I think, and we were talking in, about ken and and um and his wife, and uh you know kind of reminiscing and all of a sudden the the lights kind of browned out and came back up, you know it didn't cut off completely, but some weird surge happened that's never happened here and and we kind of went, well, what was that and then Amy kind of almost jokingly, but not really was like, "Oh, maybe it was Ken, you know uh her <laughs> <uncle>. <laughs> so. And then we were like, Oh, maybe it was Ken. So then Amy said, Okay, Ken, if that's you, give us another sign. And immediately right on cue, the lights went out again. And then we were like, What is going on here? And the the lights come back up. Well, we were like frozen and in shock, really. So then it happened twice. So then Amy said, Okay, like Ken, we I'm not joking around. Like if that was you make the lights flash again and on the third time she asked right on cue the lights went out and back up and we were like oh my god he's here (laughs) you know and it was it was it was kind of you know it was very it was surprise i've never experienced anything like that before it was pretty you know it was kind of cool it was kind of sad you know so that was that was definitely i would say it's creepy in a way but, cool. but also cool. you know it, it did give some closure in some ways yeah. too to amy yeah. that that he, that he was in a good place he was he was maybe came and said his goodbyes or visited i don't know yeah. so death is an interesting uh subject and of course that's why everyone makes horror movies and yeah. everything else so yeah. <laughs> you know but uh but uh you know and then the cool thing i guess would be i yeah when i was in detroit working on all these big movies it was pretty crazy experience I got fortunate to meet and hang out with you know filmmakers and actors and because I had a reputation for um you know Jeff really knows Detroit well so if you're visiting town uh you know we'll connect you with Jeff and he can take you on a little tour and 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 I would you know bring them to you know uh, icons of Detroit and then to an abandoned building and then to this weird art project to visit the artist and It was a very eclectic tour, you know, but uh, I got connected with the production uh, with a costume designer who was working on a film here. And she called me and said, oh, would you mind giving a tour to me and my boyfriend? He's coming to visit this weekend. And I said, yeah, no, no problem. Sounds good. I'm happy to meet you. And uh, so on Saturday, I'm on my way over to the hotel to pick up this costume designer and her boyfriend. And she calls me and says, I wasn't going to say anything, but by the way, I should let you know. Um, my boyfriend is Quentin Tarantino, and so <laughs> oh, so it turned into a two day tour of Detroit with Quentin Tarantino driving around in the front seat of my car, and talking about movies and 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 you know burgers and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hanging out at you know uh, at, at, at weird art projects and talking to people and meeting people on the street and it was a really amazing experience and he was exactly like what you'd imagine you know <laughs> yeah. a very knowledgeable in some ways already knew my history of Detroit tour like he knew about all the the, the cool history of Detroit <laughs> and so that was a pretty amazing experience Small, and again just just because i was in detroit and people were coming to this city and and it, and, and there's something magnetic about detroit and i think that's mm-hmm. why the Decca brothers ended up settling here because you know it's it's a it's a small big city you can you can you know um find a cool cultural community here and be a part of it and feel like you're doing something in a big way that in other big cities not that they're bad i love los angeles i love new york but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that do what we do in those cities and here you can do what we do and stand out a little bit too it's been great
0: that's great okay guys so everyone has to visit detroit if you haven't already and you already know jeff and the deca brothers so <laughs> uh we want to thank you guys for you know coming on the podcast we're just super happy you're our first uh interview in the new year so uh we're, oh, cool. we're excited cool. do not be a stranger uh to the mm-hmm. podcast or to the festival uh,